0: Well, if you have your Bibles this morning, I want you to turn to the book of Ephesians. Book of Ephesians, we're going to be in chapter number one. We're going to be picking up where we left off last Sunday. I made mention that we're going to uh, kind of take a journey through the book of Ephesians uh, these next few weeks. I trust that uh, they will uh, be a, a good time of the Lord and we're going to be encouraged. Uh, I know that Vacation Bible School is... Uh, tomorrow, and we got everything all decorated, ready to go, and I thought, well, I need to do something about game on. That's the uh, theme for our vacation Bible school, and uh, and I kind of struggled with that, and I thought, no, I just need to go ahead and stick uh, with uh, what uh, I just felt led to do as we go through the book of Ephesians, but we're going to work Bible school into it, okay? How about that? In Ephesians chapter number 1, verses 7 through 10, this is what the Bible reads. It says, in whom we have redemption. That's what we're going to look at this morning. We're going to uh, do a message entitled, Redeem, redeem how I love to proclaim it. I don't know about you, but that's something to proclaim, that you've been redeemed. And so here, uh, we're going to see Paul is uh, really going to uh, stress the point here in these uh, verses that we're going to look at this morning. He says that we've been redeemed through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. Last week, we looked at that uh, the book of Ephesians talks about our wealth we talked and saw that we had all the resources we have uh, needed. We have everything we need to be able to live the life that the Lord Jesus has intended to live. By the way, He's intended for us to live victoriously. He didn't call us to be defeated. He didn't call us to just kind of go and just get through this thing. He called us to be more than conquerors. And here we see that word He says, and all of this is because of the riches of His grace. It says, And wherein He had abound towards us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of His will according to His good pleasure which He hath uh, proposed in Himself. So, Paul is talking that all that we have is because we're in Christ Jesus. And then verse number 10. He says, And that in the dispensation of the fullness of time He might gather together in one All things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are in earth, even in Him. I don't know about you, but I can't wait for that day when He gathers all And that when we get gathered, we're not going to leave. We're going to be able to be there for all eternity. I don't know about you, but I'm glad I'm redeemed this morning. Redeemed, redeemed, how I love to proclaim it. We see in verse the first six verses that we looked at that uh, Paul was praising God for his wealth. I'm not talking financially. I'm talking about the blessings that he continues to pour out upon him. I don't know about you, but if you can't think something to praise Him for, you ought to thank Him that you're saved and that you've been redeemed and you'll, and you'll spend eternity in a place called heaven. And so he says and he talks about in these first six verses, he talked about how he formed uh, the body. Remember, he uses that word body. We are a body. If you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you're a member of the body. And the body helps us to understand that we are in unity and we're working with one another and we all have been brought together by the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter where you come from. doesn't matter what side of the tracks you live on. It doesn't matter your political fallout. It doesn't matter your education level. Here's one thing that we all can have in common. Jesus Christ saved my soul and I have never got over that. That is the body of Christ. We are a body. And so, He has formed the body. But notice when He formed it in verse number 6 in those verses, He talks about the foreknowledge and He talks about predestination. I need you to understand this morning that this plan that He had that He was going to form a church was not something after the fact. He had this plan even before the foundations of the world were established. Not right here, This will blow your mind. He even had you on His mind even before there was a beginning. Oh, praise His name. His plan is not something that just came along. This has been His plan even before the foundations of the world were established that He would bring salvation into a lost and dying world. I don't know about you, but I'm glad this morning that He came to save a lost and dying world. Because one time I was lost, but now I'm saved. I've been redeemed. Redeemed. Oh, how I love to proclaim it. But in these verses this morning, oh, i got some preaching going on here now. I'm telling you I'm excited because I'm redeemed. Oh, glory to God. He brought me out of, of the miry clay. He brought me from doomed. He brought me from where I was going to be bound for hell that He came because of His grace, because of His mercy. Oh, oh glory to God! He redeemed me! So, now He's going to show how He's bringing it together. Now, before the foundations, He, he had in His mind how He was going to form it. Now, He's going to talk in these verses that we just read, how He's going to bring it together. And so now, Paul is uh, now praising the Son. In verses 11 through 14, we see that he's going to be praising the Spirit. But here, as we look at the body, how the body is brought together, the first thing that we need to see this morning is found in verse number 7. He talks about redemption. Talks about redemption. Now, I don't know, maybe there's someone here. Do you remember back in the days, this is some time ago, where they had uh, those little green stamps? I think they were called S and H stamps. Some of y'all remember that. And you would get these stamps and you would get these stamp books and you would, over the course of time, you would fill your book and then you would take it to the redemption center. And you would exchange your uh, tr- uh, your stamps and you would get something in return. May I remind you this morning that when we're talking about redemption here in verse 7, we're not offering something to get something in return. He took care of everything. He took care of everything. You didn't have anything to bring to the table. You, you didn't have anything to bring, but aren't you glad He brought it all to you? That's redemption. But we see in John chapter uh, number eight, verse number 34, it says that if you've committed sin, Jesus speaking here, he says, then you are a slave to sin understand that in the roman empire at the time of paul's writing there were probably close to 6 million slaves slave business was a very uh big business and uh, people were bought and sold like uh, any, a uh, property. I mean, uh, you could buy a slave. You would sell a slave. And, and so when he's, uh, writing to, uh, the church here at Ephesus, he's reminding them that at one time they were all slaves. Ezekiel chapter 18, verse number 14, uh, four, uh, Ezekiel eighteen four says that the soul that sinneth will die. We need to understand the night this morning. That every one of us was a slave at one time. We're going to have a bunch of boys and girls coming through these doors all week next week. Some of them are going to be uh, precious little... I mean, they're just going to be so cute and they're going to have all kinds of energy. And some of them are going to be little terrors. That would be my grandchildren. I'm going to get a call from Rachel... You've got to come take care of your grandboys because they're acting up. Oh, but all of these children, and, and they are precious, every one of them are precious. Matter of fact, that's the reason why we, we spend so much time and energy investing so much because these children are precious. They're not only precious to us, oh, but even far more so, they're precious to Him. And so they're going to come in and if they not, do not know Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, we're going to have to say, and we won't tell them that, but they're slaves. They're slaves to their sin. It's amazing to me that sometimes we lose sight that when a child is brought into this world that that precious little gift has a sinful nature. We don't have to teach our children how to misbehave. They know how to do that. Why? Because it's their nature. We have to teach them how to behave. By a matter of fact, adults, we also know how to misbehave. Why? Because we have that sin nature in us. We're a slave to it. I've heard people say, well, um, uh, nobody's going to tell me what to do. Yeah, somebody's telling you what to do. It's either Satan or it's the Lord Jesus. Uh, you, you just don't uh, govern yourself. You either have one of the two masters. You either have Satan as your master or you have the Lord Jesus as your master. And so here, we understand when He talks about redemption, these people knew about redemption because they understood about slavery. Slavery. We see that the word that's used here in verse number 7, of uh, the Greek word, uh, and I'm horrible at Greek, but the Greek word means uh, to elect the release of a slave by paying the ransom price. That's what Jesus Christ did for us. Jesus released us. He bought us. And now we are no longer a slave, but we have a new master, the Lord Jesus Christ. The word redemption also uh, is used in many other places, too. In Galatians chapter one, verses three through four, paraphrasing here, it talks about, he opens it up and it says, "Grace to you and peace to you." Now, when you read Scripture, uh, sometimes we just uh, glance over words. It's very meaningful here uh, in verse number 3 of Galatians. He says, grace and peace unto you. And then He tells us where we find that grace and where we find that peace. Uh, where does it do? Uh, he says, the Lord Jesus He who gave Himself who became our ransom, who paid our penalty, who paid the cost for us to go free. He gave Himself for our sins and delivered us from evil. We see here that word uh, is an interesting word. Uh, and then he goes on and it says, from the will of God. See, it's always been the will of God for you to be redeemed. God's will, and you know, a lot of people go around and say, well, what's, I don't know what God's will for me is. Well, once you just do what you know is God's will, the rest of it will fall right into place. It's God's will for all to be saved. Not just oh, some, not, uh, not just a few. It is God's will for everyone in here to be saved if you're not already saved. If you're here this morning and you're lost and you do not have a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, my dear friend, I want you to know it's God's will for you to be redeemed today. It's God's will for you to get saved today. It's God's will for you to be brought up from your darkness and from your death, spiritually speaking, and to have a new life in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's God's will for you this morning. And then he goes on, and he tells us in Revelation chapter five, verse number nine. In Revelation five nine, it says that he has redeemed us by uh, to he's redeemed us to God by his blood. Now the Greek word there means uh, the marketplace. Here's the picture that is. It's uh, when in this time of writing of Paul, they would have places uh, where you would go, and they would have slaves uh, pretty much on display. And you could go and you could go and look and you could check them out. Uh, they were just nothing but a, a, a piece of property there. And you say, "I want that one there." That's the word that he uses in Revelation five nine, and, and that person would redeem them that He would pay the cost that they've asked for Him. Jesus Christ has redeemed you. He looked even before the foundations of the world were established, right, remember? The plan was enacted before there was ever a beginning as we know it. It was God as He looked into eternity future, He saw you and He saw me, and in His mind, it was for His, it is His will that Mike's gonna need to get saved, that Tom's gonna get saved, that Larry's gonna get saved, and He went all the way down. I don't know about you, but that blows my mind to think even before the foundations of the world, He had you on His mind. And what He had in mind that He was going to redeem you. Oh, somebody ought to have a, a witness on that one. He, he looked and He saw, even before you had your stuff together, even while you were yet a sinner, He says, I'm going to re- I want to redeem them. It's my will for them to be saved. Lost person, it's God's will for you to be saved today. And so He goes and He says we've been redeemed by the blood. But notice in Galatians chapter 4, verse number 5, He also talks about redemption. He says, He has redeemed them that were under the law and brought them into adoption. Now, the w- Greek word is the same word that's used in Revelation uh, chapter 5, verse number 9, but there's a, a word that's added to that. It's ex. It's Gagazo. That's what the Greek word means. What does this mean? Here it means that He has removed you from sale. That's what it means. Forever. Now watch this. Here's God the Father. He's looking and He sees us. He says, I want to redeem them. It's My will to redeem them. And so He sent His Son. He says, I understand there's a cost involved, and I'm willing to pay the cost. I'm going to give my only begotten Son. And the Son said, Father, not my will, but Your will be done." And so Jesus came, and as He walked on this earth, and He knew that there would be many that would not follow after Him, He still had every intention that He was wanting to save everyone. Even through His beatings, He had you on His mind. I want to save them. I want to save them. I want to save them. As He was having the nails been driven through His hand, He had us on His mind. Even in the the, the, the most wicked and, 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 and depraved action taken upon Him, His will was to save you and to save me. As He was hanging on the cross, He had us on His mind. He says, I'm doing this For you, I want to redeem you. I want to pay whatever it will cost, and it cost him his very life, all because he wanted to set us free. Back in the days, it could very easily be a family member. Maybe they got a a closeness to a, a slave that was working for them. And they could go and they could buy that slave. And then many times they would go ahead and release them. They, the only reason they bought them is not to keep them working, but to set them free. And they would get a certificate. And wherever they would go, they would have that certificate. And if they got approached, and uh, they could just show that uh, little piece of paper and say, Hey, I've been set free. My dear friend, we don't have to carry a little piece of paper, we don't have to carry a certificate, but we can say to the, everyone around us, I've been set free. I've been redeemed, and it wasn't because of anything that I did. I could not pay the cost. I didn't deserve to have the cost paid for me, but I'm sure glad that the grace and the love of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, He not only purchased you, but He purchased you to set you free. And when He set you free, He set you free forever. Good Lord! Glory to God! Forever! You don't come in and out of salvation. You're saved, you're saved. You're saved for all eternity. Jesus Christ, when He does something, He does it to completeness. And I have this uh, argument not too terribly long ago. Somebody talked about uh, uh, getting uh, that they talking about the law and you had to go by the law and all that. And I said, I don't have to go by the law. And then they said, Well, I don't believe that you can be saved and you can always be saved. I said, Well, if that's the case, then Jesus has to keep on getting off and on the cross. You think about this. Take the theology out of it. Just some good old common sense ought to tell you, Jesus had to do it one time. And what He did one time secures you in your salvation forever. And so He says here that we've been redeemed. But then, uh, not only have we been redeemed, but I want you to look uh, at the results. What are the results? Well, the results are, are, are that. First of all, I want you to look at 1 John chapter 1, verse number 7. First John chapter 1, verse number 7. And as we look at this, we see in verse 6, he talks about forgiveness. Okay, you can also use the word pardon with that word forgiveness. Now, in 1 John 1, 7, it says that the blood of Jesus Christ is has cleansed us from all sin. All sins have been forgiven or pardon. So what happened? What happened when Jesus redeemed you, the results are that all of your sins have been forgiven. I don't know about you, but I'm sure glad that all my sins have been forgiven. And when we're talking about all, we're not talking only past. We're not only talking present, but we're talking future as well. All of our sins have been Forgiven. John the Baptist said it this way: When he saw the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, he says, "Behold, the Lamb of God that taketh away all the sins of the world." That word "take it away" means to carry off. Here's what Jesus has done for you: He's taken your sins and He's carried them off, as far as the east is from the west, and will bring them to remembrance. No more. Oh, I got good news for you. Because you've been redeemed, you have been forgiven, you have been pardoned, you have been set free, you're free, you're free indeed. But then we also see that pardon, look at verse number 7. Then another result is that you have been accepted. Now I'm just going to go ahead and give you a newsflash. There are some people who just don't accept me. I know, it's hard to believe. It it kind of boggles my mind as well. But there are some people that have not accepted you. Well, yeah, you're right. But here's one that does accept you. His name is Jesus. Aren't you glad He accepted you? Some of you, everybody else gave up on. Some of you, the talk around town was, God ain't going to do nothing for them. They wrote you off. There were some people who wrote me off. I'm sure glad the Lord Jesus didn't write me off. May I remind you again, before the foundation of the world was established, He had me on His mind. And it was His will for me to be saved. I could go on with testimony after testimony. Many of you can testify to the fact Not everybody's accepted you. And by the way, not everybody will accept you. And that's okay. But there's one who will accept you. And that's all really matters anyway. And that's the Lord Jesus Christ. Because may I remind you, you're not going to stand before those who have not accepted you. You're going to stand before Him. And He's going to look at you and He says, you're accepted. Not because of what you've done, but because of who He is. Because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ has covered your sin and has removed sin from you. And when He looks at you, He says, you're accepted, Mike, not because you were a preacher, not because you were a good man, not because of your family name, but you're accepted because of the blood of Jesus Christ. That was weak. I think He deserves a little bit more than that. Do you understand? You have been accepted. And so in this verse here, in verse 7, where he talks about being accepted, that's in present tense. That means, I have been accepted, I stand accepted, and I always will be accepted. Oh, glory to God. You've got a self-esteem problem, get saved. Uh, if you've got a self-worth problem, get saved. Because when you've been accepted by the Lord Jesus Christ, it doesn't matter if nobody else accepts you. Because He's the one that died for you. He thought that much of you that He was willing to die for you. He shed His blood so you, you could go be set free. It says here, the Bible says, that we're only redeemed by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. There is no other way to have redemption. Redemption. Outside the blood of Jesus Christ. Do you know there are some that are trying to get the, those hymns that have blood in it? They say it's too bloody. I'm serious. I don't want to mention denomination, but I'm not going to do it. Too bloody. Take the blood out. You ain't got nothing. Nothing. I know that's poor English, but it makes the point. If you don't have the blood, you have absolutely nothing. Matter of fact, our Jewish friends in Leviticus chapter 16, it says that without the blood, there's no atonement for sin. I brought that up with my Jewish friend and said, Hey, how's that work? Because y'all don't bring no more animal sacrifices. Where's the blood? Oh we oh, oh 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 we're accepted because of who we are. I said, dear friend, did you know there's some Baptists that think that? I'm telling you. Now I'm a Baptist by conviction. I I, I was educated by Southern Baptists, I'm Southern Baptist, but Southern being Southern Baptist ain't getting me to heaven. It's the blood of Jesus Christ that's getting me to heaven, and so here we've been accepted, so we've been pardoned, and we've been accepted. But then that moves in very last. Oh, here was the reasons in verse uh, eight through uh, nine. First of all, uh, the reason is grace. It's because of His grace, grace. Oh, amazing grace, how sweet the sound, that saved a wrench like me. And the only reason you got saved is because you had to come by the way of the cross. And when you come by the way of the cross, you have to understand the blood of Jesus Christ is what has removed your sin from you. It's the blood. It's the blood. We can. Keep. There's power in the blood. It's power in the blood. I said there is power in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the only reason why we have been covered by the blood is because of His grace. You didn't deserve it. You can't work for it. You can't preach all the sermons. You can read your Bible from page to page, from cover to cover, and that's all well and good, but that's not what's going to save you. The only reason why you got saved is because of the grace and the love and the mercy of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Can you understand now why Paul would make that word grace? He uses it quite often in all of his epistles. He uses the word grace. I think Paul just couldn't get over the grace of God working in His life. You remember the story when He said, "Uh, I have a thorn in the flesh. He went three times and the Lord says no all three times. By the way, when the Lord says no, that's okay. You do understand that, right? Because God knows far better than you know. And so when He tells you no, just say, praise the Lord, thank you Jesus. There were some things that I prayed for, and I look back now, I'm thankful to God that He didn't answer those prayers. I think there's some testimony in here that many of you prayed for some things, and you look back and you're thinking, ooh, ooh thank you, Jesus, that you didn't answer that one. And so here, why, why was Paul all good with that? He says, after three times, okay, Lord, I get it. Your grace is sufficient. Do you believe that this morning? Do you believe that whatever God allows to come into your life? Do you believe that the grace of God is working on your behalf? I do. Do I deserve it? Absolutely not. Neither do you. That's the reason why they call it amazing. Amazing grace. But look at verse number 9. He also, the reason why we're redeemed is to show glory. The glory of God. Notice here, he uses the word mystery. He says now, there's a mystery, but that mystery has now been revealed to you. See, the mystery that he's talking about is salvation. Before you got saved, you couldn't understand that. You couldn't understand that when somebody came and they witnessed to you and they said, well, what do I need to do? Well, here's what you need to do. You need to repent. You need to confess your sin. Uh, and here's what the Bible says. You took them down the Roman road. And it says where if you confess with your mouth, believe in your heart. And, and they were like, that's all i got to do? I don't understand that. Do you understand that? You didn't before you got saved. Why? Because it was a mystery. Why was it a mystery? Because you did not have the Holy Spirit living in you. Because the Holy Spirit is the one that teaches you and discerns for you. See, don't get get all bent out of shape when you witness somebody and you come back and say, I just don't understand it. I just don't understand. Why Why are they so blind? Because they're blind. Spiritually, they cannot see spiritual things unless the Spirit reveals it to them. That's the reason why many of you heard the Gospel numerous times. And then one day, bam! What was that? Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Coming down this aisle, saying a prayer that doesn't get you saved. And many people uh, kind of um, say, well I, I don't send my kids that Bible school because they give invitation on that well duh But I want you to know we do everything we can to make sure that child hears and understands. We can, You can talk a child into anything. you know that. We're not talking a child into salvation here. We go out of our way to make sure it's a clear presentation of the Gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, we're not ashamed to do public invitation, but we do everything we can. We know how kids do. Their buddy comes, they're going to come too. But after we talk to them, we counsel with them, and we come, and we're not the Holy Spirit, But if they say, I do understand, and they can tell you what sin is, and and they can tell you what repentance means, and, and they say, oh, I do believe in my heart. That's not our job to argue with that. See, we're to present the gospel of Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit is the one that does the saving. And if we talk a child into it, somebody else is going to come and talk them out of it. And so here he says, "The Holy Spirit revealed this mystery to you." In 1 Corinthians chapter two, verses nine and 10, it says that oh, the ear has not seen. Uh, I mean the eye has not seen and the ear has not heard. And then he goes on and talks about uh, that uh, only the Holy Spirit reveals this to them. And so this mystery, when you get saved, it's revealed to you. And then you say, oh, okay, I get it now. You heard the same gospel. What was the difference? Holy Spirit. By the way, this is not in my notes. But for a long time, we as Baptists were afraid to preach on Holy Spirit we were afraid it's going to get out of hand. I'm just being honest with you. When you started talking about the Spirit-filled life, whoa, no, 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 we can't get too carried away with this. Next thing you know, they're going to be jumping pews and they're going to be running down the aisles and doing all kinds of crazy things. That's not what a Spirit-filled life is about. Matter of fact, the Spirit-filled life means you're under control. Now, do I have a problem with somebody running down the aisle? Absolutely not if they're doing it for the right reason, if the spirit's on them. Do I have a problem with them raising their hand, shouting hallelujah? No. If the Spirit's leading them. And so what we've done is, we go to the other extreme, let's don't talk too much about the Spirit. Well, how silly is that? Because if you take the Holy Spirit out of it, you ain't got nothing. Because it's the Spirit that convicts you. It's the Spirit that brings you to where you realize that you're lost and you're in need of a Savior. Now, does that mean that, well, we just go ahead and we don't witness? No. But in our witnessing, we better be led by the Holy Spirit.